Today, we will speak about the matter of dukkha and the cause of dukkha according to Buddhist principles. This matter of dukkha and the cause of dukkha is set forth in different ways in the different religious traditions. Each religion proclaims these things and describes them in their own way. In religions which are creationist, which believe in a creator God, dukkha comes from God. In religions which are evolutionist, then dukkha is seen to arise out of the law of nature. In spite of this, Buddhism dares to say that the method of extinguishing, of eliminating dukkha that we have in Buddhism is appropriate for everyone. It can work for everyone. It doesn't matter what religion you are upholding at this time. Buddhism has the courage to say that this method of understanding dukkha, understanding its cause, and understanding the way of practice that leads to the elimination of that cause, Buddhism is very forthright in saying that this can work for everyone, no matter what religion you belong to. This, this ability of Buddhism to be of use for all is the same as certain modern drugs, certain antibiotics or painkillers or whatever, which can be used by people anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter if you're a European, an Asian, an African, or a South Pacific Islander. There are drugs which work universally for all human beings. And in Buddhism, and these drugs, it doesn't matter what religion you belong to, you can still use it, these various medicines. And Buddhism works like this also. It can be used by all. This point, we'll begin to look into the matter of dukkha now. We'll talk about dukkha as it is understood in Buddhism. We'll give the Buddhist explanations and descriptions of dukkha, of suffering, of pain, of sorrow. And then you can compare this Buddhist understanding with your own understanding. You can reflect upon this and see how your understanding of dukkha, of suffering, differs from the Buddhist 
understanding. Dukkha, when we look at it, has the characteristic of being painful, oppressive. It afflicts. It is something very difficult to endure, and for this reason is very ugly and terrifying. There are certain manifestations of suffering, of dukkha, and these can be described as sorrow, despair, pain, grief, and lamentation. If you understand what is meant by these words, if you have enough experience, direct or indirect, of what is meant by these words, then you will understand what is meant by the manifestations or characteristics of dukkha. In life, or our lives, our bodies, are subject to to various changes which give rise to aging, the body gets older, begins to decay, there is illness and disease, and eventually death. All of these manifestations of change give rise to dukkha. They are in themselves painful and sorrowful. Another group of experiences which are painful and suffering for us is meeting up with things that we don't like, experiencing things that we dislike. This is dukkha. Being separated from the things we love and desire, the things being separated from that which is special to us, This is also painful. And lastly, in this group, not getting what we want, having wishes or desires for something and not having those wishes be met or fulfilled. This is also dukkha. All these various conditions or manifestations of dukkha which we have just mentioned can be summarized, can be condensed into one thing. We can say that all of these have the essential meaning of being attachment to something or some of anything as I or mine. Because of egoistic attachment to things, taking them to be I or mine and clinging to them in that way, there will arise one of these various manifestations of dukkha. Attachment, clinging and grasping is the source of dukkha. When attachment arises, dukkha will follow. So what we'll do now is we'll examine how each one of these 
various manifestations arises from attachment. Let's begin on, on the cruder levels. For example, being lacking peace or peace or ease of mind. For example, when someone doesn't respect us, it makes us uneasy and uncomfortable. We don't feel very good. Because of our egoistic attachment, we, we believe that I have a certain status or position. And because of that status, people should treat me in a certain way, with a certain kind of respect appropriate to this opinion I have about myself. And then when someone doesn't respect us in the way we want them to or expect them to, then it bothers us, it disturbs us, and our mind is ill at ease. Next is if we're out of work, we don't have a job, and because of that we lack money. Then there arises the, the fear that I am going to die, or that I am going to have a lot of problems because I don't have any money. I'm going to be hungry, or I won't be able to pay the, the rent. Dukkha arises out of this attachment that there is some I who is going to experience difficulties, pain, and maybe even death because of the lack of a job and lack of money. Because there's the mind believing in some sort of ego, some, some entity which I am, then it, it gets caught up in all this fear regarding this I and what might happen to it, which is completely unnecessary. It's possible just to go out and find a job without worrying about it, without there being any suffering. Merely find a job, find a way to earn some money. This can be done without any worry or despair, and then there will be no suffering arising out of it. Or we might lose something that belongs to us. Or there could be some sort of accident and our property is destroyed. Or maybe a natural disaster, a flood, or an avalanche, or a tornado, or a hurricane or something washes away our, our home, maybe kills some of our friends and loved ones. All of these various accidents or natural catastrophes are suffering only because there is the belief in an I who is losing something, who is being separated from what it wants. But if there was no I without this attachment, then there would not have to be any suffering in spite of very serious calamities. If one loses something, then just do whatever has to be done to replace it. If the house is destroyed, just build a new one. 
there's no point in suffering about it. Or when, when we don't have, when there's no one who loves us, this can be great suffering, great pain for us. Or when there are people, when someone who does love us dies, or someone who we love dies, and then there is great pain, there is a lot of dukkha for us when these things happen. But they must happen inevitably. And the problem is not that these things happen, but that there is this belief within the mind, this, this way of looking at things that sees an ego, an I, a self. This is me. And then it has possessive attitudes towards others as the one I love or the person who loves me. And merely because of this attachment to things as I and mine does suffering arise. All the various kinds of pain, sorrow, fear, and suffering which we experience, all of them arise because of attachment, because of clinging to things as I and mine. There's no exception. Really, attachment is, is a defilement. The Pali word for this, or the Buddha's word, is dilesa, which means something filthy, something dirty, which makes the, the mind dirty. Attachment is a defilement. It arises from ignorance, from not understanding things the way they are. The the way defilements are, they're a kind of wanting. Sometimes it's a wanting to get something, or it can be wanting to destroy something, or wanting to, to not know what's happening, to be blind to the situation. These various kinds of wanting can never truly be satisfied. They can never truly be responded to. What they actually want is some kind of self or I that has control of the situation to get what it wants or to destroy or to be, to not have to pay attention to what's happening. But there's no such thing as an I, as an ego, as a self. And so, these defilements dirty the mind, but can never be responded to, and so they cause dukkha. This, this feeling of, of being an I, of I am, or the feeling of mind, that I own, own this or that, this feeling or perception of I in mind, is behind all the different kinds of tukkha. Because of this possessiveness, this clinging to things as I and mine, there's always some desire upon things to somehow satisfy the wants of this ego, 
the ego that is trying to claim this as as me or that as mine. And this is always stirring up pain as soon as this attachment arises. So we need to watch this, this clinging to things as I and mine. It's, it's there all the time. It's constantly coming up. It's an instinct that we have from birth. This instinct of perceiving things as I and mine. Even just this, the existence of this instinct itself, of this, this warped perception of I and mine, even before it has caused various problems, it in itself is dukkha. Just the mere thought that of I or mine disturbs the mind and makes it difficult for them. So just this, the I in mind, this feeling, this instinct that's with us constantly, this is the source of all tukka. Whenever thoughts of I or mind forces the mind to desire after something, whenever these attached thinking causes the mind to undertake certain behaviors, then that activity will always be based in attachment and will inevitably be fraught, will be caught up with pain and dukkha. However, if there is mindfulness and wisdom, if rather than being filled up with I and mind, the mind is mindful, awake and alert and wise, then that mind through the understanding of the law of nature, the way things work, can go about whatever activity needs to be done without any dukkha arising. All the various kinds of, of suffering, of pain, of tukkha, dukkha that we have been talking about can be summarized in one word, in the word, my life. My life, this is what all this dukkha is. All these things, we take all these things as mine, as my life, and put them at the center. And everything, our life is centered in this my life, orientated, oriented towards my life. Everything is done for the sake of my life. Because of this attachment to things as my life, which we can see is both attaching in, in the aspect of I, as I am this, and also as mine. Life, sometimes we see it as I, and sometimes as mine. This attachment to my life is, a, is the basic vehicle for all these kinds of attachment and this, in turn, leads to pain. If we look at things 
we'll see that, for instance, birth, aging, illness, and death are merely natural phenomena. These are just part of nature. Birth, aging, illness, and death belong to nature. And in that way, they should be no problem. But when we start to think of things in terms of I and mine, in terms of a self, then by attaching to these things, attaching to my birth, I'm getting old, I am sick, I am dying, my death, by attaching to these things as I and mine, we no longer see that they are merely natural phenomena, that they're just part of nature. Instead, we claim them to be ours, and in that possessiveness, there arises dukkha. In the world, we can see that there are nothing but three basic categories of things. There are the things we love, that we like. Then there are the things that we don't like. And there are the things that we desire. These things are just part of the world, part of nature. But because of our sense of self, of ego, then some of them we love, others we don't love, and some we desire. And then when these things change or don't satisfy us in some way, then dukkha is caused. And that dukkha only happens because of the clinging to things as I and mine. Without attachment to anything as I and mine, there's no way that any dukkha could arise out of that thing. And so this is why the Buddha said that all dukkha comes from attachment to things as I and mine. This is a fundamental principle of Buddhism, that all dukkha is rooted in attachment. The various manifestations, symptoms, and conditions of suffering, of dukkha, the tens, dozens, hundreds, even thousands of them, you can compile lists as long as you like. No matter how long your list, each of those manifestations of dukkha arises from attaching as I and mine. All dukkha comes from this clinging and grasping at things as I and mine. This is the fundamental understanding of dukkha. If you've understood what we've been saying, then you will understand dukkha and its source, as is explained in Buddhism. So finally, each of you must understand that dukkha comes from not understanding 
this matter of dukkha because of ignorance as to this business about dukkha then dukkha arises there is a natural principle in law which governs this whole business of dukkha but if this is not understood then we will blunder into suffering over and over again dukkha does not happen because of some god or because of angels or spirits it's not a matter of fake fortune or luck suffering and pain do are not caused by anything external there are no outside things causing this this problem the source of all this is within the problem the cause of dukkha is internal with this this problem of attachment and attachment only happens because there is ignorance about the law of nature which explains how dukkha arises and how we can live free of it this is the thing that each of you must must come to understand that the source of dukkha is within and that is where dukkha can be ended as well and now to the second matter to be discussed today the first one we are talking about what dukkha is and explaining that it is always caught up with attachment the second topic is the cause of dukkha dukkha is caused by desire by craving by wanting whenever these arise dukkha will follow but we have to make it clear that there are two kinds of wanting there is wise want and foolish or ignorant want usually we use the word craving for the foolish kind but we'd like to point out there can be a wise kind of wanting also when the wanting is caught up with ego with wanting things in regards to the ego then it, it is foolish this is this is caused by ignorance wrong understanding of the way things work and that ignorant desire will always cause dukkha however if there is no no problem with ignorance if the wanting is not ignorant but based in understanding then it is possible to have wants and go about satisfying them without any dukkha arising when we talk about this cause of dukkha language can be a bit of a problem in english as well as in thai there are a variety of words that have the basic meaning of want in the language the buddha used there were two different words and he used the word danha to be 
the thing which causes dukkha. Danha we usually translate in as craving or desire. But remember that this word danha is always ignorant. It's an ignorant kind of craving or desire. Let's use the word want or wanting as a neutral word. And so we could talk about ignorant wanting, and this is what the Buddha called danha, and we can call it craving or desire. And then there is wise wanting, in which there is no ignorance whatsoever. This wise want does not cause dukkha. It's not the problem. When we say that desire or craving or danha is the cause of dukkha, be very clear that what we mean is this ignorant want. If there is mindfulness and wisdom present, then the wanting is wise and there is no problem. But if the wanting is conditioned by ignorance, if, it, if we want because of ignorance, then this foolish wanting, this craving, will lead to dukkha. So it's only this craving, this foolish wanting, which is the cause of dukkha. Please understand this point. If we observe within ourselves, in our own lives, as we live them, we'll see that whenever this ignorant craving arises, whenever this foolish wanting arises, that dukkha, pain, suffering, dissatisfaction, frustration, some kind of sorrowful state of mind immediately arises. Whenever there is this ignorant craving, wanting something in a foolish way, that automatically the mind will be saddened, will be afflicted by this, this wanting. This is something you can verify very easily for yourself. However, if the wanting is wise, if our want is not ignorant, but is based in the understanding that what we need to do is to eliminate dukkha. What we need to do is free the mind of defilement. If this is the, the desire, if it is a wise desire like this, then dukkha does not follow. There's no, there's no pain, there's no mental suffering arising when the want is a wise one, when it's perceived as that which needs to be done. But as soon as we have ignorant want, the mind is afflicted by that. This you can study within yourself. Just keep watching and see how the mind works, and you'll learn and verify this in your own experience. Now, whenever ignorant wanting, which we're calling craving or desire, whenever there is ignorant wanting arising, and then it, be, it grows and there's more and more of it, then it, it leads to the feeling that there is an I, 
that desires, the, the duration, the sustaining of this desire of craving, which comes from ignorance, leads to the, the thought or the feeling or the idea that there is an I who wants. And when there is the I, the ego, there must be dukkha. If you see this, if you watch it as it happens, begin to contemplate this within your own experience, you'll see that this I, this sense of a separate entity which I am, is merely an illusion. It doesn't exist by itself. It only arises, it's only born. You are born, the I is born because of desire. And desire comes from ignorance. So this attachment, the birth of the I, comes from ignorance. It's not really something that truly exists. It's merely an illusion. As soon as there is this illusion, there must be dukkha. And so it's very important to understand how this operates, to see how this process leads to the birth of the I. Because if we see this and understand it, it's possible to get out of it so that we're no longer subjecting ourselves to all this pain. All this dukkha becomes a very heavy burden for the mind. It turns life into a heavy weight which must be carried around. And so by this attachment, we make life into a burden. And if you're, you're carried, if you're tired of having a life which is burdensome, then investigate this matter. It's possible that as you're listening now, there is no sense or no feeling or thought of I within the mind. And then there is no dukkha. But as soon as the thought of I arises, be aware, observe that dukkha arises also. Let's, e let's look even more deeply into this matter. Then we'll see that the, the thought or idea of an I, of myself, of ego body, that this doesn't exist constantly. It only, it comes and goes. It arises temporarily and passes away. And then it arises again. The sense of self, the I am, arises because of ignorant craving. Please be very careful. It's only ignorant want, desire, craving, which brings about the birth of ego. As soon as there's this ego, there is tukka. But the thing to see that each time the I, the ego, is born, it's been produced by ignorant desire. It doesn't exist by itself. It's a product of ignorant desire. Every time there's ignorant desire, there's a new ego born. And then it passes away. 
and then there's more ignorant desire, and the ego is born again. So it's something that does not exist continuously. It doesn't have any inherent existence. It's merely a temporary product of ignorant desire. If you see this, you'll see that this ego is not something real, it's merely an illusion. And if it doesn't exist continually, but only temporarily, then it is completely possible to get rid of this thing, to pull it out and throw it away, so that we no longer have to be afflicted by this ignorant sense of I, me, and myself. Now, whenever ignorant craving brews up the self, the ego, then there inevitably follows egoism. Whenever there is ego, there is egoism. There is both the I and the mind. This egoism or selfishness, self-centeredness, is something that we have to look at very, very closely because we often don't see what a problem it is. We often, in fact, cherish it. We cherish selfishness rather than treat it as we properly should. In fact, selfishness is a very dangerous thing. All the forms of dukkha are coming out of selfishness. But we don't see what an enemy, what a horrible monster selfishness is. Instead, we we clutch at it, we hug it all the time. We sleep embracing selfishness. We're, We're embracing selfishness all the time, both day and night. We don't see how ugly and dangerous it is. Somehow we've We've begun to, we see it as lovely, as beautiful and desirable. And so in this way, our lives are more and more filled with selfishness. And because of that, there is more and more dukkha, more pain and suffering in our lives. Sometimes this, this pain and suffering is on a very subtle level, a level that we're unable to see. And so we don't realize all this punishment that that arises out of selfishness. But whenever there is selfishness, there is dukkha arising. And so we need to understand this business about selfishness. Let's look and see all the destructive activity all the problems which selfishness causes in the universe. When the sense of self and then of selfishness arises in, in the mind, that, that person can never really be happy or at ease. Because of selfishness, the mind is disturbed. There is dukkha. And then that individual, that selfish mind, wants to get free of that dukkha 
and it starts to undertake certain selfish behaviors which cause dukkha for others. Because of personal selfishness, one experiences dukkha and then begins to inflict suffering upon others. And this can spread in many different ways. Even in a family, between a husband and wife, the selfishness of the, the two partners causes pain for each other. There is dukkha, there is suffering within the family because of the selfishness of both partners. And if it happens within the family, it happens also within the community, within the nation, and within the world. When we think selfishly, then we want things for ourselves. And we argue, we fight, and we even go to war because of selfishness. Selfishness has given a rise to the system called capitalism. In capitalism, we have an extreme form of selfishness. And then because of this one form of selfishness, there arises the very egotistical opponents to capitalism who call themselves communists. The communists are very selfish in their, in their opposition and resistance to capitalism. And so these two forms or aspects of selfishness grow and confront each other. And this selfishness leads to the building and accumulation of all kinds of weapons and armies. There are conflicts using indirectly and directly in the stockpiling of great weapons, bringing great destruction, pain, and suffering to this world. And it doesn't just happen on earth. In the heavenly realm, the so-called heavenly realm, the, the angels and celestial beings, they get into arguments also because of selfishness. The, the great fall in heaven where Lucifer fell from God's grace arose because of Lucifer's selfishness. And so it doesn't just happen in the human world. It happens in all the various worlds. That throughout the universe, selfishness causes great destruction and all the calamities that befall us. So this, this business of selfishness is something obviously that needs to be understood. Selfishness in turn creates danha or craving. Craving arises because of these selfish patterns of thinking and behaving. And then when there is craving, there arises attachment and dukkha, suffering. There are three main kinds of craving which arise because of selfishness, because of egoism. One kind is called 
craving for sensual pleasures. This is craving to get happiness through one of the various sense, sense doors, the eyes, ears, tongue, nose, body, or mind. This is essentially sexual or lustful. It's a way of trying to get happy by responding to desire, sexual desire. Then there is craving for fine material things. Craving for material things like possessions, wealth, security, and things like this. This is another kind of material desire, but it's not as crude as the sexual kind. And then there is craving for immaterial things, things like fame, honor, a good reputation. These, these things are something else that we crave. This, there are various details about these three kinds of craving which you ought to know, and we encourage you to, to look into it further by doing some research on your own. But the essence, what we need to see is that egoism, selfishness, creates danha, craving. And then when there is craving, there will be dukkha. This is something absolutely necessary to understand if life is to be developed and liberated. The last point we'd like to discuss is about certain misunderstandings about dukkha, about suffering. There are some people that suffering is caused by wrong deeds in past lives. There are people who believe in reincarnation or rebirth of some ego that transmigrates from life to life to life. And they believe that suffering in this life was caused by evil deeds in past lives. This understanding is incorrect. Another misunderstanding is that some people think that dukkha, that suffering in this life, is caused by God or by angels, by celestial beings, by spirits or ghosts, that various supernatural powers outside of us are causing Dukkha, that, that these supernatural beings, whether an omniscient, omnipotent God or just little tea spirit, tree spirits in the woods, that these external things could cause Dukkha is also a misunderstanding. The third misunderstanding is that Dukkha does not have a cause that dukkha just arises by fate, by fortune. It's a chance, random occurrence. This understanding is also incorrect. You need to know about these three misunderstandings so that you don't fall into them. And so we're mentioning them at the end of today's talk. And so finally, We'll summarize today's talk by saying that the cause of, of suffering, of mental anguish or dukkha, is attachment. 
egoistic clinging to things as I and mine. This causes dukkha. All dukkha is caused by attachment. But if you have been listening, you may have wondered, but at times we also said that craving causes attachment. But if we look, it's craving, ignorant craving, ignorant desire, which gives rise to attachment. It's because of the this craving that there is attachment. And so if we see this, then that we can say that attachment is the most immediate cause of dukkha. But since craving causes attachment, then we can say that ignorant desire is a somewhat more distant cause of dukkha. But as craving arises out of ignorance, then the the most distant, the deepest, the original cause, the fundamental cause of dukkha is ignorance. So depending on how we want to look at it, we can say that ignorance is the cause of suffering, or that craving is the cause of dukkha, or that attachment to I and mine is the cause of dukkha. It depends on how we're looking at it. It comes down to this, that as we go through life, we have a number of experiences. We experience things through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. Whenever we make contact with things through these sense doors, if that contact is ignorant, if the mind is not wise at that moment of contacting a sight, a sound, a smell, a taste, a touch, or a thought, when there is this experience, if wisdom is lacking, then there is ignorance, wrong understanding, and then there arises craving and attachment and dukkha. So it's easiest to say that all dukkha comes from attachment. If we ask what we attach to, we can say we attach to life. We attach to the body or we attach to the mind. The Buddha talked about things he called the five groups of attachment, which are the body, feelings, perceptions, thoughts, and sensory consciousness. Attachment to any of these things is I or mine, results in dukkha. So this is enough of a discussion of dukkha and the cause of dukkha. We've spent enough time looking into this for today, and we hope it will provide you with some foundations for further study. And so on this point, we will finish today's talk.